You're listening to Riding a Rocket, presented by RocketShipJobs.com. Doug, thanks for joining me here on the Rocket Ship Jobs podcast. Uh, as we just discussed, uh, there's going to be kind of like a fireside chat. And essentially what I would like to do is just get a better idea of who Main Street is as a company, uh, who you are as, as the founder, and then talk a lot. So what Rocket Ship Jobs is, is we're a, a um, newsletter for people that are looking for jobs at rocket ship companies, right? P- potentially future unicorn companies. Uh, so we'd want to also talk a lot about your, how you look at the culture uh, that you're building within your company and where you see it going in the future. Ready to take off? Absolutely. Let's do it. So before we get started, why don't you give us like just a quick little background of um, what Main Street is, how it came to be, and what you guys are doing today. Sure. Well, at Main Street, our mission is pretty simple. Our mission is to help startup founders and small business owners get the help and resources they need to help create jobs and opportunity. And the way we're doing this is actually pretty simple. It's by connecting the uh, startup founder or, or small business owner with this giant $100 billion or $300 billion world of government credits and incentives. So quick explanation of that. The government every year provides literally hundreds of billions of dollars worth of funding to incentivize hiring, to incentivize research and development. And yet almost this entire market goes to the big biggest of companies, the Boeings, the Walmarts, the Amazons, these companies with sophisticated government relations teams that help their company save billions of dollars. So what we do is we kind of act as the mini government relations team for a startup or small business, right? We make it really, really easy for you know, a, a company to discover the credits they're eligible for, collect them, and hopefully save their company tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. So it's uh, our, we're, we're really in the corner of... Uh, with with the founder, with the, with the owner, trying to help them save money to grow their business. Awesome, yeah. And I saw uh, a few days ago you had tweeted that you guys have now saved twenty million dollars for companies. So that's an amazing uh, milestone, and good, great to hear you guys are achieving it. Thanks. We're already way past that at this point. We're growing very fast. Wow, wow. That was. I mean, that, uh, you tweeted that on the twenty second. So, and what what is today? The thirtieth. Eight, oh, eight days later, way past that. My, where are you at now? Could you mind saying? We just passed 25 million. Nice. So how'd you come up with this idea? Were you receiving these kind of, um, how'd you come up with this? Let's go from there. Sure. So my founders and I, we were on the small business team at Google. And we decided to leave to start a company to help promote jobs and innovation. And originally, our vision, our product vision was very different. Originally, what we wanted to do was build what we were calling it was a network of remote work hubs. So you can really, you know, we wanted to help us promote innovation throughout the country, throughout the world, by getting people who lived in like really expensive places like San Francisco, New York, to maybe go move to the suburbs, move to a rural area, move to their hometown. And so in order to kick off the attention for this product, we, we did a bit of a, a PR stunt. It was a, we'll pay you $10,000 to leave the Bay Area. A bit tongue in cheek, but it went crazy viral. Thousands, thousands of applicants, uh, international press attention. But the crazy thing was within three days of us launching this $10,000 incentive, literally dozens of cities, states, and counties reached out to us and let us know they already had an incentive for job creation and wanted to know if we could share with our community. The state of Arizona let us know about the $9,000 per new job tax credit. The city of Tulsa, Oklahoma reached out about the $10,000 Tulsa remote program. And so I was shocked. This was actually my third startup. I never knew anything about this world of tax credits and incentives. So we dug deeper 
And that's when we discovered there is this $300 billion a year industry that is simply not being taken advantage of by the small business or the startup. So as much as I'd like to say we, we planned this out methodically from the beginning, we actually were, we started the company by doing something completely different and discovered this world almost by accident. And once we did, we clearly recognized that this is where the opportunity is. This is how we could really help people with scale. Uh, and we took it from there. So who is the client for Main Street? I know you said startups, but I, I feel like sometimes people uh, differentiate startup versus like small business. Like, so what's, the, what's your sweet spot? Sure. So our broad vision for the company is to support the more than 30 million small businesses that exist in the United States, the more than 300 million that exist around the world. Where we've started with, though, now is the tech startup company, right? The, you know, the, the venture funded somewhere between pre-seed and series B, you know, raising anywhere from a few hundred thousand dollars to a few tens of millions of dollars. The reason we're starting with this crowd is because there's a, a a lot of credits and incentives that are disproportionately valuable to technology companies because the government is trying to incentivize research and development and 21st century jobs. So we're, we're leaning on this well-funded crowd to help us develop the marketplace, build out the product, to be in a position to really support millions of, of small businesses, especially as we start emerging from this recession. Gotcha. How does it work for, for Main Street, right? You guys are helping them save money, but how do you guys make money as a business? What's your business model? Well, so we don't charge anything up front. Like we actually will, you know, you'll plug in your systems, you'll join Main Street and we'll let you know, hey, here's X, Y, and Z credit that you're likely eligible for. If you then choose to go through and work with Main Street to get, the, you know, apply for those credits, handle all the documentation, handle all the work that goes into it, we take a, a fee. Generally, it's 20% of this. So it's, if we've saved you $100,000, uh, you end up there, your, your main street fee ends up being basically a subscription fee that ends up being $20,000 throughout the year. We try to spread it out. Makes sense. That, that, hey, at the, at the end of the day, there's a, it's a no risk model for, for the clients, right? Like if you're a startup, it's like, it's, it's free money. I'll give you a piece of it. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's awesome. So explains why you guys are, are growing so fast. So, all right. That's very interesting. So, so how many people at the company today? Right now we have 17. We, it was, we've started the year with three people and now we're at 17. We're growing very quickly. Nice. And uh, so, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that because these are the type of companies that I want to feature and that you're in. I want to make sure that the people who are going to see this uh, from our newsletter know more about the company, right? So when you think about growing the company, what are like positions that you guys are looking for right now? I know probably by the time people see this, which I'm, I'm going to release this uh, next Monday probably, but the time people see this, hopefully those positions are still open, but I know you guys are changing very quick, quickly, so I'd love to hear about what you have. Well, the nice thing about the most of the, many of the type of roles we're hiring for is we don't expect that to change. We expect to hire more and more people. So for example, two of the areas we're really investing in are our engineering team, of course, we're a technology startup, and then our, our sales and account management team. On both ends of that, we we expect those teams to actually both be roughly 25 to 30 people on each of those teams, the engineering team and the sales, you know, account management team by the end of next year. So over the next 18 months, we'll be growing those pretty soon. So uh, your listeners don't need to worry about uh, us running out of those type of jobs. 
Uh, we're also looking for some operations roles. We're looking for some a few marketing roles here and there. But primarily, the most of our growth will come in engineering and then sales and account management. Gotcha. Okay. So when working at, at Main Street, is everybody remote today or how are you guys approaching this COVID situation? Yeah. So when we started the company, we were all in an office in downtown San Jose, right? And that was the original plan for the company. We just grow and build there. But obviously COVID had us and many, many other companies change their plans. So right now we're entirely remote. We are uh, you know, scattered all throughout the, the United States. I'm assuming we'll have people in Canada at some point fairly soon. So whomever you are, wherever you are, we were happy to work. It's an entirely remote company. We're doing our very best to build a great remote culture, you know, which is hard, but we're, we're, we're definitely thinking about it every day. So is, is that, is that, that's the plan moving forward. You guys are going to stay as a remote first company or uh, are you going to have offices or what's the plan? No, I, I kind of feel you have, so we're going to be a remote first company. I feel you, to be successful being a remote company, you can't have an office, right? Because those, the people who aren't, in that office instantly become second-class citizens. They become second-class employees, right? What ends up happening when, you know, someone corners me in the office and gets an impromptu hour and a half brainstorm, you know, someone outside the office didn't have the chance for that. So uh, we want to make sure this is, this is uh, equal, accessible, a level playing field. And to do that, you can't have an office, which I, you miss out on things there. I, an office could be great, but uh, not for us now. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, I've always wanted to work remotely, and now, obviously, with COVID, I, I can work completely remotely. But the, you, we, you still miss some of the things from uh, an office, right? I think the camaraderie is is, is tough. But I, I, people will will innovate and find find different ways to do it. I guess for for you, as you think about building that that culture, as you mentioned, what's on your mind from that perspective? And just to to give you a little thoughts from my side is. I know Coinbase, for example, wrote their like manifesto this week in, in regards to culture. Right, they're they're focused on the mission of Coinbase, not you know everything else, political, etc. I don't. I'm not asking you to comment necessarily on Coinbase's, if unless you want to. But how do you, if you were to write a manifesto of like your culture, how would you think about it? Sure. I uh, no. I, there was a lot of interest in in the Coinbase. You know. Manifesto, I guess you could say, right? That was it was pretty divisive. Some people loved it. Some people found it pretty off-putting. I mean, as I'll comment on Coinbase real fast. I think every company has the right to set their own culture, you know. And some of the people may find that Coinbase culture and manifesto very, very appealing. Want to join specifically because of that? They will also definitely lose some people there. Where we're trying to go with our, our company is, you know, we are a mission-driven company. Our mission is again pretty simple is we want to help small business owners and startup founders get the help and resources they need to create jobs and opportunity. I started the company, my, my co-founders and I started the company out of a deep concern for what we saw was the economic inequality. Uh, this was starting to form between wealthy areas, again, like San Francisco and New York, and much of the suburbs and rural communities. This is a, you know, I grew up in a, a city called Modesto in the middle of California. And uh, over the last 40 years, the economy had slowly just kind of been shipped away to where it's actually really hard to start a business. It's really hard to get the resources. So first off, we are looking for people who are motivated by that mission. That's something that people can, can get behind. But it's one you can start with a mission. But next, like we, we're trying to set what are our, our values for being a remote company. And so we lean very heavily into certain things like transparency, right? We share what is our, what is our weekly burn rate? What is our cash in hand? How much revenue are we generating? Things that might... 
aren't always shared. We try to overshare. We try to ensure that we have, you know, a set of OKRs that everyone knows and everyone's sharing the uh, throughout the company. Transparency is important. Uh, we try to lean then also pretty heavily into autonomy and accountability, right? To where you're working remotely. We, you know, if we hired you because you're, because you're smart and talented, so we're going to let you do your job. There's not a lot of micromanaging that occurs, you know, so long as you're aligned with the mission, we trust you to, to do it and come up with the creative solutions on your own, right? We really try to empower people to build the solutions uh, in the best way they can think to do. I think Steve Jobs said something along the lines of, we don't hire really smart people to tell them what to do. We hire really smart people and they tell us what to do, right? Uh, so we try to keep people in autonomy. But because of that, we also have a, a culture of accountability to where if you set out to do something, you claim you're going to do it, you should do it. Do we give you all, all the support and encouragement to that as possible? So right now, I'd like to say our cultural values, we will eventually have these fully fleshed out. Maybe four things. One is uh, an, an adherence and belief in our mission, right, to help you know create jobs and opportunity. Two is a belief in, in transparency, almost radically so. Then again, autonomy. You, you should have the ability to build what you want to build and when, you know, and drive your own process. But finally, accountability. You need to make sure that you actually are living up to what you claim. So... And then to be fair, we also try to have a lot of fun when we can. We, we do the happy hours. I mean, to be perfectly candid, Zoom happy hours just don't really cut it. It's, this is, it is not. <laughs> they suck. Way, right? It's, yeah. They do. It's not uh, it. yeah. And so it is really, no, it's hard to build the fun, the fun things that I actually really do miss. Uh, I used to, you know, my previous companies and when I was at Google, I'd arrange a lot of parties and a lot of socials and happy hours. You know, people develop trust and friendships there. That's not possible anymore. So we try to find other ways to empower people. Finally, one thing that we're, we're starting now to plan and look at on that last note, the world is opening up a little bit more, right? We And we're, we're talking about doing offsites where we can get the whole team together, of course, in a safe, socially distant manner. But we really are trying to figure out how do we, in a safe way, in a remote way, start to build lasting bonds between colleagues. It's, it's, a, hard, it's a hard challenge right now. Without, without a doubt. And um, I have a friend who who's in that business. She she does uh, company offsites, and it's a, obviously a challenge for her, right? Because her business pretty much went to zero this year. So so it, it's just it's a interesting for everybody. So one thing that that's been super interesting for me with you is you have been super transparent with uh, revenue. Startups don't typically talk about revenue, right? I think you you mentioned you guys passed three million. ARR earlier this month, and you were doing, like I said, you were doing 20 million in terms of savings, uh, and you're trying to get to 100 million in savings by like the end of the year. I think I think you had mentioned, and feel free to not answer this if you don't want to. But do you think revenue will is revenue going to 20 to 100 is 5x? Or is the plan to revenue 5x as well? Because that, that seems crazy. But I'm just curious. Uh, yes, that is the plan. <laughs> like I think there's a, we have to be sitting in this a win-win-win. Like we're helping founders reduce their burn rate, helping you know cities, counties, the federal government inspire the type of job creation they're looking for, and uh, we grow as a business. So there really isn't any reason to slow down. Like it's one of these things to where I think we're doing nothing but net good in the world, and if, and why why throttle that? We will probably at some point become less transparent about revenue as we go. Uh, at a certain point, you know, competitors start paying attention. At a certain point, VCs start paying attention. But, you know, at this point, we've, we're well past 3 million. Uh, we actually passed five. It's kind of a fun fun time to be there. 
And yeah, we, we, we hope to be at well over $100 million in revenue by the end of next year. So as we'll be open about our goals, well, there's, there's no point in running a startup if you're not going to scale big, right? And I think this is the word, we're in a very, we're, we recognize how lucky we are to be in a position to where we can actually help build a whole new type of marketplace that helps people and that, and we can be at the center of that marketplace, helping to facilitate these things. So it's, uh, we, we do hope to grow very fast, very quickly. And we are, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And you make me happy to have featured you on Rockship Jobs, especially as the first podcast guest, hearing hearing how fast you guys are growing. You, you guys definitely fit the mold that we're going for. So something else you spoke about, and, and speaking of, you know, getting to 100 million and being that, you know, creating this very big company, you spoke about on, on Twitter just about how equity helps reduce economic inequality, right? When startups... Uh, IPO or sold, et cetera, right? That helps the, all the employees if, it, if you're able to make that exit. So something I've been having, and I don't know this well enough, but I, I want to talk to you about it a little bit. Something I've been talking to a lot of people about is the challenge when, when a startup goes public, if you're from a lower in, income household or you, know, you don't have a lot of money stored up, to exercise your options becomes difficult. Are you guys thinking about that at all as you work on building this company? If not, I mean, we're early, right? So you may not have, but I'd love your opinion if you have thought it through. No, we, we definitely think about that. And we want to make sure that we are being as employee-friendly there as possible. So for example, we allow early exercise of options, right? To where you can buy them when they're next to nothing, right? Or you can buy them at a very, very low rate. We've done our best to... Uh, we don't have... So a lot of startups have a 90-day, you must exercise your option you know, we haven't set our official policy yet because we're still pretty young. I want to make that a multi-year chance to buy your options, right? If you if you've been with the company, because I mean, gosh, I remember when I, uh, I you know, I, I I grew up without a lot of money at all, right? I got, we come from a I don't come from money by any means, and so I worked for startups to where like when I was leaving, I had the choice between do I save money or do I you know try to buy my stock, and I didn't I wouldn't buy my stock. Um, the earliest startups I worked at because hey, that's you know. That's $10,000. That $10,000 could be used for, you know, for my kids or for, you know, for something. So I, I think the, on a structural, so we want to be as, as fair and as employee helpful when we can, that we can. I do think the industry is changing there too. The world is, the world was set up and then these, these laws and, and really these traditions were set up in ways that don't reflect the modern world, don't reflect the diverse workforce we have, don't reflect the fact that like, you know, there's now hundreds of thousands of millions of people in technology not just to select wealthy few. We hope to be part of that trend, making it more and more likely the early stage employees are able to generate significant wealth because they were able to exercise their options. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. No, I, 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 I've read your Twitter a lot, so I definitely believe you. And I, th- I think you guys are gonna, going to, um, to do something great there. So before we go, I have a few, few last questions. I, I won't keep you too long. One thing you, you talk about, right? And, and you just mentioned it a little bit is, Silicon Valley and, and technology is changing, right? There, people have always talked about Silicon Valley is a, a meritocracy. It's a meritocracy. And you, you flat out said it on, on your Twitter. It's not a meritocracy, but what anybody can do is develop their own network and create a great reputation. So one thing that I am big on with building Rockship Jobs is telling people to do that, right? Build side projects, cold email CEOs when they're trying to get a job at a at a place. Cold email, you know, uh, 
uh, hiring managers to to get in to start meeting people and, and to get into jobs. From your standpoint, what are what are things people can do to develop their network, develop a, a better re- reputation within the industry? Because I'd love people to know from your perspective so they can learn as well. Well, nothing succeeds like success, right? And I think there really is whatever you're working on now, making sure you're the best you can possibly be at that. And that includes, you know, whether you're a college student, whether you're hustling on your own side project, whether you're looking to get, you know, whether you're working for a, whether you're working for a technology company, you want to go out, maybe upskill yourself or, or do whatever. So I think there's, the step one is like, you have to be enthusiastic. You have to be thorough. Uh, a lot of people, I, I've noticed there's some people who try to hustle their way to the top and that generally doesn't work, right? The, there is a grind. You have to be able to actually perform, right? What, what do you mean they try to hustle their way to the top? What? what I'm sorry, I, I just don't know what, what the reference. There, uh, There's a lot of people in Silicon Valley, right? Who will try to talk talk their way into amazing jobs or talk their way into venture capital funding only to not really be able to back it up with, with skills and experience, right? Uh, there's so much potential. I mean, when you... Even when you talk like a, a job at one of the big companies, like the Googles, there's so much money on the table. People are, you know, will sometimes stretch and try to talk. Sadly, it doesn't work that way, right? I think the the way you can establish yourself is like again, and this is not glamorous, it is not sexy, but that grind of just being the be, like being the best at what you're doing now, like will pay off. And it might take you ten years, but quality is noticed, loyalty is noticed, hard work is noticed, right? And after you know. A couple of years of doing that, that will absolutely put in position for that next great job. That'll put you in the next great job. And sooner or later, you're a director, you're a VP at a company, or you're, you're someone who can command a lot of venture capital. So I guess my, my advice is you can try to play the lottery in Silicon Valley. You can try to maybe get lucky, maybe talk yourself and find someone at a cafe and try to pitch them. But the people who are here for the long run and people who actually end up making you know, quite a bit of money are people really just devote themselves to what they're doing, make sure that you're, you're focusing on like where you are and what you're doing. And that over the course of a decade or so, you know, suddenly you'll be shocked when you look back at your career, how many people you know, how many people you've impressed, how many people owe you favors to where then it opens doors to, to just about anything. If you're lucky enough to have been born the child of a venture capitalist who got you into Stanford, who then hooks you up, like by all means, take it, right? Don't, don't turn that on. But if you're like you know, the 99.9 of us who aren't like that, you know, the, the solution is, is hard work because that gets noticed. And, and that's where this can become your, your, your the meritocracy that Silicon Valley wants to be can actually start to shine through because you'll end up knowing great people and you'll have a great reputation. Awesome. Yep. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Always working to build your reputation, always working to build my network. Hopefully, you know, doing great projects helps you do that. So, Doug, I really appreciate you taking the time today. If anybody's interested in getting in contact with you, whether that's to apply to Main Street or just to talk uh, further, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Doug Ludlow, uh, D-O-U-G-L-U-D-L-O-W. Pretty easy to find. Uh, you can also send me an email at uh, my Main Street address, which is Doug at MainStreet.us. Awesome. Thanks, Doug. So that's going to end the uh, process of like just you and I kind of talking uh, again, it didn't doesn't look like that many people joined uh, from a fireside chat standpoint. But uh, Christine, if you had any questions for Doug, I'll, I'll let I'll let you hop in. Um, if not, I guess we'll we'll kind of go from here. And uh, 
Christine, I'll let you, uh, you can chat in if you have any questions. Hey, Doug. Not hopping on the camera today, but how are you doing today? Um, I just wanted to say thank you for this conversation. I was taking notes as you went, and I think, Henry, you asked the question about cold emails and getting yeah. your foot the door. But as someone who is getting into marketing and specifically copywriting, I have a podcast right now, so I think just like having that side project is what's going to help me. But besides having a side project, what other ways do you think is a way to stand out to hiring managers and people looking for writers? Yeah, the, the great thing about... That's a great question. The great thing about writing is that you're able to prove your value to the company you're looking for before you even get there. And so some of the best cases of people we've hired, we actually... Uh, you know, some of the people we've hired, especially for marketing have actually gone and done some work for us before, you know, before they joined full-time and actually started doing you know, promoting us uh, using their own time. I'm not sure that's always the right way to go to, but again, given that you... For example, if someone would approach me and say, hey, I've taken a stab at rewriting some of the copy on your front page, and in my experience, this will result in extra conversions, X, Y, and Z, I will absolutely pay attention when that person's email comes through my inbox, right? Showing that you understand what I'm doing, you you know, you put the time to reach out and, and demonstrate your value. Not every job, not every position where you can demonstrate value before you even get the job. But if, if you say like, hey, here's some suggestions, here's a line or two, hey, have you ever thought about tweaking this? That will absolutely be noticed by the person that's looking to hire you, right? Especially if you can, you know, contact the right person in the uh, in the company. And that's for from a copywriting perspective, it's a tr- it's something that's worked on me before, and I guarantee it. It's it's not a bad way to get in the door uh, with a lot of companies. Cool. I'm gonna try that. I haven't tried that one yet, so that's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, good luck. Uh, I love that answer, Doug. Thank you. Uh, Christine actually helped me with the copywriting on uh, my page, so <laughs> so uh, I I know I know she's good. So now, uh, Christine, yeah, I guess it's just reaching out to more more companies and helping them out as well. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Hey, well, well, Doug, uh, again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to speak with us here today. I'm going, like I said, I'm going to edit this up and uh, get it out to everybody on the Rockship Jobs email list. So uh, hopefully some people will be reaching out to you soon. You may get some people asking you uh, if you need any help with your copywriting. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. But uh, it's, it's, it's I'm, I'm sure they will. <laughs> but, but very exciting times. And I, I look forward to uh, watching you guys take off. So uh, you have a great day. You too. Thanks thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Riding a Rocket by Rocketshipjobs.com. To join our newsletter with hundreds of other ambitious people, go to Rocketshipjobs.com. Leave your email address and we'll send you the next exclusive opportunity.